0: When Europeans first sailed the ocean blue, they discovered the new world and were in awe of what they saw before them. As soon as they saw what people lay before them, their hearts filled with jealousy and rage. They were fearful of the native tribes that lived there and sought to eradicate them from the face of the earth in order to stake their own claim. As it is known and frequently looked down upon, they were successful in their endeavor, and America became known as the land of the European immigrant. How hilarious is it, then, that in less than 20 decades, Americans formed their own tribes. Even their defining characteristics are similar, a grouping of individuals who share the same social, religious, and ideological values. However, these tribes today are not clearly visible as you walk down the street. They become clear once politics are involved. Hi there, this is Gabrielle Walters. This podcast is going to be solely about political tribalism and its likely effects on society. So let's dive into my anti-tribalism podcast titled, Divided and Conquered. The collapse of a second great empire political tribalism or it is most simply known tribalism is the idea of a grouping of like-minded individuals who share the same political values and ideals as of today many associate this with political parties who tend to naturally be a tribe of their own this term has not been invented to fit today's political climate. On the contrary, it is an old word that has risen and fallen popularity as the divisions become more entrenched. Some speculate the level of tribalization nowadays rivals that of the Civil War era. However, this seems an over-exaggeration from those who despise this divide. Though there are several tribes that exist, only two seem to have true power, the Democratic and the Republican parties. These tribes on their face value are harmless, but if one investigates their political impact, it is clear that a divide between opposing tribes exists it seems to many that there is no end as to what the two can disagree upon, whether it be Supreme Court confirmations or possible impeachment proceedings. This is not unlike the early Native American tribes and their rivalries. The difference that complicates issues is a limited amount of tribes in the United States. This not only allows for more defining ideals to be indicative of each political party, but it also disallows for much gray area. Even as people are split as to whether or not tribes are beneficial or detrimental, they seem to have a general consensus on one idea. Tribes exist. It is futile to argue that people are not divided in today's world, and it is only natural that people side with those of similar beliefs for comfort and support in their ideals. The issue becomes when the tribal split cannot be overcome to solve political issues. When this divide is sharp, as is evident today, there is little room for compromise. And with lack of solutions, not only are politics stalled, but they are negatively affected by political tribalism. One problem, some claim, is when tribes' goals are the obliteration of the other party by securing a permanent majority. In several bills in the Senate, the competition is never between opposing ideals. It is instead between Democrats versus Republicans, which is why almost anything through the Senate is passed by a razor thin margin indicative of each party's seats. When it comes to the midterms, the goal is not to fairly represent the people's ideals. It is also Democrats versus Republicans, which is evidenced by the current president traveling, rallying, and supporting senators of his matching party who are up for election. And, even for elections as important as a general election every four years, in some states, there exists an option on ballots to vote all Democrat or all Republican candidates. This takes away critical thinking about each race and each issue and greatly increases the turnout for one party or the other. When these things happen, politics are no longer politics anymore. They are just a popularity contest. If politics are to continue this way, the divide will never end and policy will solely be based on which party is winning at the moment, which is a gross undercoverage of over half the population. Another issue caused by tribes is the lumping of people into categories in which they do not belong. Amy Chua, a Yale Law professor, illustrates this in a more common everyday words quote, "It used to be that you would have very religious white Christians who were Democrats and Republicans, right, but increasingly it's no, you're a Republican if you're a very religious white Christian. Unquote. These stereotypes that are being applied are detrimental to diminishing the separation of America as people are incorrectly set in one group, others feel excluded in several ways. 1. Those who are wrongly lumped feel alien to a tribe that they share nothing in common with. 2. Those who do the lumping are seen as unreasonable and unable to communicate with. And 3. Those on the outside feel, watching feel distant as they watch their options for cooperation diminish. Because of this lumping, there a small room for compromise. There is no gray area in which to coexist, since the Democrats and Republicans marginalize the power of the co- country's politics. This leads to another misrepresentation, and also allows more extreme policy to pass rather than moderate, which weakens the Democratic side of a Democratic Republic. Another point that some address is the idea that people are lumped. Tribes tend to demonize the other tribe for simply being the opposition, even when the sides tend to be similar. One specific example is the recent argument over voter suppression, which erupted during the 2018 midterm election. There was perceived voter suppression in southern states that leaned toward Republican success, since the difficulty of gaining voter IDs seemed to target poorer, blacker populations who tend to vote Democrat. Democrats call foul and claim that Republicans were limiting the constitutionally protected right to voting equality. But then Democrats nowadays also call for knowledge or IQ requirements for voting, especially after the 2016 election. The outcomes of the election showed that turnout by these, d- the, the, those they deem uneducated dominated all others, and most of the uneducated voted for Donald Trump. However, these proposed tests are another form of voter suppression. Democrats fail to see past the ends of their own noses, and because of such instances, tribes tend to idolize their own beliefs and demoralize others, even if they are eerily similar in their inceptions. This hurts politics because no middle ground can be found in a policy with i better than you than for simply not being you mentality, backing every decision. One lesser mentioned, but also devastating blow that tribalism brings to United States politics is the idea that there's an overall loss of constitutional patriotism, or remaining united by and through the constitution, regardless of ideological disagreements. What this means in context of today's issues is that people are becoming less and less satisfied with what the constitution enumerates as the politics do not reflect their ideals. Instead of trying to change policy or voting differently, People from both sides of the spectrum turn to the constitutional's, Constitution's flaws and claim that those are the true problems of politics. Chua and Rubenfield, authors of The Threat of Tribalism from the Atlantic, give several examples of this. On the left, many believe that free speech is worth sacrificing for an equal society. Leftists claim that allowing free speech allows hate speech to keep fueling current discrimination. On the right, many argue that freedom of the press has gone too far. As heard from the president himself, the news is only seen as a way to criticize politicians rather than report news. There is a subsequent right-wing push to limit freedom of the press. The consequences of constitutional anti-patriotism are not set to affect politics currently, but for the future, the implications are far more severe and devastating. If one tribe claims all of the power and amends the Constitution to limit the people's rights, this would be a total reverse of the democratic ideals that it was built upon not only would the face of the United States' policy change, but also with the social landscape, which could be detrimental to the common man of the future. Though majorities majority see political tribalism as a poison to the United States and its overall political well-being, there are some who claim that tribalism is not an issue to concern Americans today. Whether it be in its existence or in its effects, some believe that to blame tribalism for a political struggle will be a faulty conclusion. For example, some deny that the United States is as polar as is commonly thought, According to an account from the Washington Post, about 40% of Americans label themselves as independents. Rothman claims that since this is true, less voters are prone to give into, quote, tribal scaremongering, unquote. However, he also concedes that the parties focus more of their energy on swaying the independents onto their side. This is where his claim loses ground, since if the Republican and Democratic parties are so invested in scooping up votes, they're less interested in breaking down key issues than simply gaining support. This leads to policy whose only goal is to interest potential voters rather than to solve important issues. A great many also claim that though America has tribalized, there is no harm done. In fact, they believe that the nation was built to withstand such conflict. Those who support this idea cite Federalist Paper No. 10, or Federalist 10, a document written by James Madison in support of ratifying the Constitution. In his argument, Madison warns that factions, which are the equivalent of political parties, are detrimental to a small national government. In contrast, he proposes that under a large central government, factions are controlled through lesser representation and greater division across the country. Through Madison's claims, many argue that the United States was formed to survive tribes. What they fail to see is a limited scope of Madison's views. This was written in 1787, more than 230 years ago, and much has changed since then. For one, political parties rose to power, something the Founding Fathers did not anticipate. Along with this, the population has exponentially grew, and proportionally, so has the number of proponents for each party. Now each party has greater representation and less separation across the country, contrary to Madison's beliefs. As Madison had feared but ultimately dismissed, these factions have taken over the government internally, and each party has direct say in policymaking. It is evident that factions have taken stronghold in the large federal government, so the notion that the country is unaffected by faction is fallacious, especially when backed by Federalist 10. Others do not see tribalism as a threat because they claim that a few small fixes would reverse their effect. They believe that while the sharp divide is harmful nowadays, there are easy corrections that could be made to ensure less polarization in the political future. Lawrence Rosen, a professor of anthropology at Princeton University, speculates that through encouraging broad participation and increasing the proportion of votes needed to pass certain kinds of laws, the turnout for a single party would sharply decline. Rosen claims that encouraging more people to get involved politically would decrease the amount of gerrymandering. At the same time, he also suggests that raising the amount to obtain a majority vote would make each side more wary of lawmaking and make compromising bills more likely to pass. He also feels that people must vote for what they believe rather than what their party generally believes with this system, because the votes between the two parties would be too small to declare winner under the raised majority conditions. However, there is another issue with this claim. To make these changes would be almost impossible in today's climate. While encouraging broader participation might be easier, in, or- in order to increase the proportion of votes needed to pass certain kinds of laws, there would need to be an amendment to the Constitution which must pass through a tedious process. There are four routes to pass an amendment. The first is proposed by a two-thirds vote in each House of Congress, which is then ratified by a three-quarters vote of the states in a state convention. The second is also proposed by a two-thirds vote in each House of Congress, which is instead ratified by a three-quarters vote of the state legislatures. The third is when the amendment is requested by two-thirds of states in a national convention and is then ratified by a three-quarters vote of the states in a state convention. The last method also requests support by two-thirds of states in a national convention and is then ratified by a three-quarters vote of state legislatures. Not only is the amendment process lengthy, it is also extremely difficult. To have an amendment passed would take several majority votes in each method, which are hard to obtain, especially with the current of in politics. To prove its difficulty, in the 230 years of the United States Constitution's enactment, only 27 amendments have been made, and none by Methods 3 and 4. Moreover, according to www.archives.com, the online database for the United States National Archives, the last constitutional amendment was ratified more than 25 years ago. And, as turmoil and divide has increased over time, it is clear that no true concession exists in today's climate. Others feel that there are different forms of government which can de-escalate tribes in their own formulas. They claim that changing how the United States works as a nation could possibly eradicate the Great Divide in politics. Proponents for this claim that there are several countries that exemplify this successful governmental form. The Daily Intelligencer focuses on Northern Ireland and the Netherlands, the latter it claims being more successful in its endeavor. The Dutch government in its early days was formulated so that each of their five religious tribes had constant coalition governments that gravitated towards the center, meaning that they all needed to work together and appease one another in order to keep their new nation plugging along. And as our nation grew and matured over time, this idea of compromise remained. The idea that tribes can be snuffed out through a total reboot of America's political system is attractive in that it could account for the change in society and population that the Founding Fathers could not have foreseen when they birthed the nation, its ideals, and its forms of policymaking. And, with the newfound government of compromise and cooperation, it would seem a perfect solution to the issue at hand. Even with the formulation of tribal success at hand, it lacks a practicality about it. In the Netherlands, their governmental style was introduced at the nation's inception, not two centuries into its existence. There's no telling what a change this late in the game would do to the United States. According to Chris Hayes, host of the podcast Why this Is It's Happening with Chris Hayes, featuring the and expert from Yale, Amy Chua, although the Founding Fathers were short-sighted in the future of America, its institutions have stood the test of time, and to remove them would be to raise hell. Looking at other countries like Iraq, the dissolution of its institutions caused an extremely polar divide between the Sunni and the Shia. It took a long war to settle things temporarily, yet to this day there remains conflicts over who is superior and deserves control of Iraq. To remove the backbone of America, to erase the Constitution, could have similar effect, Hayes and Chua believe. If there was agreement to reform the U.S. government, to amend the Constitution would be tricky, as previously stated, and it would take several amendments to change the entire political makeup of America. The more likely route would be a do-over of sorts, but even then, there is no feasible means of scrapping the Constitution and writing a new one without opposition and, unfortunately, violence. There is too much competition to do so in the first place, and the political aftermath would be devastating. The new United States government is simply impossible to create. Tribalism and its effects are irreversible at this point in time. The issue remaining is not how to stop tribalism from spreading, but instead learning how to coexist in the future. It is apparent that the sharp political divide is doing numbers on the United States' policymaking, but the goal today must be to stop the spread of tribalism into society. Though it has slowly crept into everyday American life, there has not been a strong societal rift as of today. Yes, people disagree in the streets, but it's remained civil and should continue to do so for the imminent future. The drawbacks to strong societal tribalism could be catastrophical, from use of policy to limit others' rights to even a new form of social Darwinism of political ideology. In order to stop this small candle from burning into an untamed wildfire, it will take a separation of politics and society and universal support behind the idea that America must come first before any political party. If this can be done... The United States will be salvaged before any more damage is inflicted. If not, the new world, the land of the free, the stars and stripes, America will be divided and conquered from sea to shining sea. All right, sources I used included Chua and Rubinfield's article titled The Threat of Tribalism from the Atlantic, the Constitutional Amendments 11 through 27 from the National Archives, Federalist Paper No. 10 from the Bill of Rights Institute, Hayes' podcast called Political Tribalism with Amy Chua from Why Is This Happening with Chris Hayes. Adam Rothman's article titled Tribalism Doesn't Explain Political Conflict from the Washington Post. Lawrence Rosen's a A Liberal Defense of Tribalism. And Sullivan's paper Can Democracy Survive Tribalism from the Daily Intelligencer. Thank you for listening and I hope that we will ever, ever get back together. Thank you.